Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to the Betting Pros NFL podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I am your host, Dan Harris, and you can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. It is time for our early look at next week's lines, and with me to break it all down is Rich Ryan, host of the Gridiron Gamble podcast. You can find Rich on Twitter at RichTRyan. Rich, thanks again for coming back on the show. How's it going? It's doing good. It's a victory Monday for us miserable Jets fans, which they come few and far between nowadays. Second in a row, though, man. I mean, <laughs> let's go. We're an unstoppable juggernaut. Now, you were saying right before you got on that you were actually going. Are you going this weekend, next weekend? When are you going to the game? I'm going to the game we'll be discussing later in this podcast this weekend, heading back east from South Orange County out here in California to New Jersey to watch our fight in New York Jets take on the Oakland Raiders. Oh, baby. Well, I look forward to hearing your thoughts on that because it's actually kind of an interesting line, at least uh, from my perspective. So we are going to get into that and all the games on the Week 12 slate. And when we do, we're going to be using the consensus odds over at bettingpros.com. And you surely know by now that the consensus odds over there are the aggregation of odds that are available on the market. As always, there are differences in the various sports books. So when you're looking, shop around. But there are occasionally you know, outliers there that you can really take advantage of. And also, if you ever want to see how I or any of the top sports betting experts are leaning on any given bet at any given time, you can see that also on bettingpros.com. All right, Rich, let's dive right in here with the Thursday night game. You've got the Colts at the Texans. The Texans here laying three and a half and the over under at 45 and a half. There's a lot to unpack here with, you know, both teams, really. The Colts grab the big win against the Jaguars, but they lose Marlon Mack to a fractured hand. He's certainly not going to play in this game and probably not for the foreseeable future. It's going to be some combination of Jordan Wilkins or Jonathan Williams and Naheem Hines. We've got possibly T.Y. Hilton making it back today. There was a positive report from him in practice, so it's unclear a little bit what we're going to see out of this offense on the Texan side. Pretty embarrassed by Baltimore. There's really no shame in that. Um, Baltimore is just a total juggernaut at the moment. But Deshaun Watson, he gets beat up pretty good. Maybe Will Fuller returns here at the least. I mean, you assume that the Texans are going to be pretty angry looking to bounce back. So how do you feel here about laying three and a half at home over under at 45 and a half? Yeah, there's a lot here. And on the short week, it makes things even more interesting. This was a four and a half look ahead, moved down a point. Colts bouncing back with Brissett under center and like you said Texans embarrassed by the Ravens last week at home but it looks like both the bets and the money are pouring in on Houston I'm seeing 66% of the bets 76% of the money and I think I kind of agree with them and if you look at that Texans Ravens game obviously one of the things that everybody talked about today was the missed pass interference on that deep ball to uh, DeAndre Hopkins and the subsequent uh stand uh, call on the on the challenge of the PI and that game just kind of got away from the Texans and it is an embarrassing spot especially coming off of a bye and the Ravens coming off of that massive uh, Patriots game you would think that would be a nice uh, merge for the Texans to take advantage of but they just kind of got steamrolled there I think we're getting a bit of value with that line coming down these two teams in addition to leaning a little bit towards three and a half. Uh, last time they went out, they combined for 53 points. Right now, the total sitting at 45 and a half. So if there's more positive news on T.Y. Hilton, I think I'm leaning towards the over as well. Yeah, I completely agree with the over at the very least. Um, I do think that this is going to be a game that's going to be high scoring. You know, on Thursday nights, the defenses, they just have such a short time to recover from those, you know, hard hitting games that they have the day before. I, 
as you said, a lot is going to depend on what we see from the Colts practice reports. It's really tough on a Thursday game. But I agree with you. And, you know, I look at the game and I feel like, you know, I don't feel like I should like the Texans at three and a half, but I do. I certainly lean that way. I don't think it's going to move very much. As you said, you know, originally, you know, the, the line has come down, but there is a lot of money coming in on the Texans at this point. So I do like them at three and a half, and I do like the over right now at 45 and a half, even without having the details on what's going to happen um, with, you know, some of the Colts skill players, because I do think they'll still be able to put up points regardless. Let's move on here to the Bucks at the Falcons. Falcons here are laying four and a half, and the over-under is at 52 and a half. That's come down a bit. It was at 54 when I checked uh, yesterday. I'm not really sure what has gotten into the Falcons here. Uh, things are really working for them right now. They still cannot run the ball effectively, but the passing offense looks to be just fine, even without Muhammad Sanu or Austin Hooper. It's really about their defense that has suddenly come alive, uh, both against uh, the Saints and then yesterday against the Panthers. Meanwhile, we know exactly what the Bucks are at this point. Elite run defense, awful pass defense, and Jameis Winston is going to throw a few back-breaking interceptions or turn the ball over by a fumble at the worst possible time. So how do you feel here about the Falcons at home length, four and a half, with a total of 52 and a half. Who are these Atlanta Falcons? <laughs> I've been sc- everybody was screaming, uh, you know, <laughs> for the coach to be fired. And, and suddenly, you know, Quinn just got them turned around and playing well. I don't know how it happened, but it happened. And this is who Quinn is supposed to be, right? He's a Pete Carroll guy, part of that Seahawks defense, transitioned to Atlanta. And that was the strength when Deion Jones first came into the league, Devondre Campbell, all these guys. And they started off real slow, but now... They're getting going. You've got Claiborne and Jared up front really getting after it. So I don't I don't know honestly what to make of this Falcons team. You look at some of the, the sabermetrics or sabermetrics, not baseball, but like uh PFF and, and football outsiders, and I don't know how much we can actually account the first couple games of the year. I think they're muddying the sample a little bit. So my knee-jerk reaction is that the Falcons are being overvalued off of two wins and that we should be looking to take the points with the Bucks. maybe even dabble in the plus 190 uh, on the uh, uh, money line. But I just, I don't know. <laughs> maybe sharper people than me will take advantage of this because when there's uncertainty in the market, that's when there's value to be had. But the, the Falcons new trend of being awesome just makes me very wary of this game on all angles. This strikes me as a game that's going to be pretty split between sharp betters and public. I think the public are going to back the Falcons because I think everybody has a really short memory and the Falcons are playing great and the Bucks just keep throwing it away. I, so I bet you though the sharp better is because you know the models are going to say that the Bucks are much better than their record indicates. But I'll be honest, I've lost enough money betting on Jameis Winston so far uh, this year, and it's not something that I would feel comfortable taking advantage of. If anything, I'd lean the Falcons, but again. I'm just not able to process what exactly has changed. And again, they were beat up on defense. It's not like they're that much healthier suddenly that their defense is going to be playing at this elite level that it's been at right now. But still, especially with Winston, you know, at the very end of that game, he was against the Saints. He was limping a lot. Now, Bruce Arians said that the ankle injury is fine. So hopefully it is. But in the end, look, it's just. It's not a game that I feel real comfortable backing, uh, you know, the the Bucks for sure. And the Falcons, well, I like it just it feels like a game where the public's going to love them. And it, that's also not something I want to back, you know. So I could see this being a Thursday game where we list one game where we stay away, that this one being the, 
the one that I'll I'll avoid at all costs. The Bucks are the alternate line team, man. I'm telling you, fire Falcons minus ten and a half alternate, and and fire Bucks money line. You'll probably win money in the long run. Yeah, I like it. All right, let's move on to the Dolphins at the Browns. Browns a whopping eleven point favorite over under here at forty four and a half. I mean, the Browns are looking a little better this day these days. Um, I think Kareem Hunt actually really opened up the offense, and more about the fact that when he plays with Kareem Hunt, I think that might be their best. Uh, I'm sorry, wouldn't he plays with Chubb? That might be their best setup, the way they've got it going on. Their defense is getting healthier in the secondary. They're obviously not going to have Miles Garrett here, which hurts their pass rush. But the Dolphins, who had won a couple of games, are kind of coming back down to earth. Uh, they get dominated by the Bills in this last game. Devontae Parker continues to be really the only consistent part of their team on either side of the ball. So how do you feel here about the Browns at home off kind of the mini buy, laying 11 over under 44 and a half? A couple extra days rest, and it's so funny. It's almost like Freddie Kitchens waited nine weeks to roll out this 21 personnel with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb on the field at the same time, and it's really unlocked something in this offense. It's it's allowed the offensive line to to have uh, less time to block, right? They've been struggling up front, and things have not been working out downfield when getting the ball to OBJ, but when you can throw shorter to either Hunt or Chubb, you can give that offensive line a little bit of uh, help there by letting Baker get rid of the ball quickly. And honestly, Baker's really a timing quarterback. He's not somebody that's going to do your like Bruce Arian seven-step drop and just chuck the ball down the field. He's very much a timing thrower. So everything's been in rhythm and looked great. And yeah, the mini-buy as well has really helped. The, the public is still loving the Dolphins. Though. I, I mean, was just going to say that. <laughs> that's crazy to me. Obviously, they covered five straight, so they were yeah. uh, putting money in everybody's pockets. But yeah, uh, 31% of tickets on the Browns, 40% of the money. So the public is once again lining up to take the points with the Dolphins. And I kind of think they're right. I mean... In order to cover 10.5, you have to be consistently getting out to a lead and extending the lead over a large sample. And I don't know if the Browns are built to do that, so I think you have to take the points here. Now, I completely agree that there is value in the Dolphins. I mean, anything when you get to double digits, it just makes me just be like, oh, man, I want to take that. Because, you know, getting that many points... Um, and I did it with the Bengals pretty much all season long. It hasn't always worked out, but you want to take a look at that. And for the public side of it, my guess is, frankly, again, I say this most weeks, but the overwhelming bets in the preseason were on Mayfield to win MVP and the Browns to win the Super Bowl. So I think they, the public got so beat down by the Browns that they're just running the other way. And again, the Dolphins have been uh, a team that covered not this past week, but for the most part, overall, it's not a game that I want any part of. And there are a lot of games like that on this slate, frankly. But, you know, with the Browns laying 11 points, I see the value with the Dolphins, but they're not at the point right now, given just, I mean, again, at at some point, you know, all the injuries are taking their toll, even on a team, with a team like the Dolphins that doesn't have that much talent to begin right. with. You know, yeah. once you lose Preston Williams and even, you know, Mark Walton, who wasn't anything great, but, you know, he was at least, Kalen Balazs is probably the worst running back in football, oh you know, and he's, he's getting carries and, and on the defensive side when you lost Savian Howard. So, again, it's just not, it's something where I see the value in the Dolphins, but I really don't think I could take it so long as it sticks in double digits, which I'm sure it will. Yeah, Kalen Balazs' player profile photo is next to the word plod in the dictionary. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, really it's a remarkable level of futility, <laughs> frankly. And uh, the Browns' defensive lineman, obviously everybody knows they're not going to be without Miles Garrett, but Ogan Joby missing this game for pushing Rudolph after that melee as well. It's, I mean, they're going to have zero pass rush in this game, so yeah. really a, a tough spot 
for a Browns team that should be, you know, coming off of a big division win, the mini buy, like you noted, this should be them entering into like a late season bloom and unfortunately uh, kind of a rough spot for them. Yeah, you uh, bet against uh, Fitzmagic at your own risk. Uh, let's move That's on here right. to the Giants at the Bears. I This game, I'm just, I don't know what the spread could be on this game where I'd feel comfortable with it, but it, the spread that it is currently at is Bears laying six and a half with an over-under at 40 and a half. That's down at least a point from what I checked on last night. We know we've got the Mitch Trubisky injury that's kind of hanging up in the air. He reportedly had the hip pointer last night. There's a lot of grumblings about maybe that's not true. Who knows? Um, I honestly don't think it makes a difference if you go to Chase Daniel or not. I'm not sure it's a downgrade at this point. Trubisky has just been playing so terribly. The Giants coming off the bye still does not sound like they're going to have Evan Ingram here. Maybe Sterling Shepard. He practiced today. Hopefully Saquon Barkley, you know, got a little bit banged up in that Jets game. Hopefully he's back good. How do you feel about the Bears who, I mean, betting on the Bears under basically has been just a super solid strategy this whole year. I think they're seven and three against it. How do you feel about the Bears laying six and a half at home to the Giants with an over under at 40 and a half? Uh, <laughs> That's the correct reaction, just to be clear. <laughs> so a couple of weeks back, uh, our Gridiron Gamble Super Contest card, we had the Bears as short home favorites against the Vikings. And not that we're the ones to celebrate injuries, but we were quite happy to see Chase Daniel get in quarterback sure. when, when Mitch Trubisky was removed from that game. I agree with you. I don't think when this game opens, if Chase Daniel is the starting quarterback, which all things are trending in that direction, I don't think it moves off of this six and a half line that is in some places certainly here in this betting pros portal I don't love either side at the number I do think the Bears are certainly a teaser candidate they though at six and a half get them down to a half point and I do like the over in this game 40 and a half this Giants defense stinks like it is horrific (laughs) and if we can get Chase Daniel back there I think that they can score enough to get this past that over. The Bear, uh, the Giants uh, are going to be able to move the ball, and Dimes is perfect in both aspects in that he can move the ball and get the ball in the end zone, or he can hand it to the Bears' defense and they can score as well. So I'm not in love with the number. I do think the Bears are a teaser candidate down to a half point, and I do like the over on four and a half, 40 and a half here. Yeah, I don't like either of these numbers, no matter what you do. I mean, I I agree with you that I don't love the under on this one because, again, yeah, the thing is, you know, even if the Bears just run David Montgomery, you know, all day long, even though, you know, they don't have a great offensive line, but against the Giants, you don't really need that to be able to move the ball. They should be able to go up and down. They, you know, the Giants' pass defense is terrible. Allen Robinson, I expect, will have a bounce-back game after getting shut down by Jalen Ramsey. And again, on the other side of the ball, look, the Bears' defense is just not anything close to what it was. You can certainly run on them. Barkley's probably going to have a big day. And if Shepard comes back, that's just going to give the Giants another weapon. So yeah, I mean, I guess as much as I've been leaning on the under, the over does strike me as right if I had to go one way or another. But at six and a half, I'm just not going anywhere near this game whatsoever. Um, And I agree, though, I do expect the Bears to win. So teasing it down sounds like a good idea to me. Let's move on here to the Seahawks at the Eagles. The Eagles here are laying two and a half, and the over-under is at 48. I'll be honest, I'm a little surprised by this line. I 
thought it would be closer to a pick em. I, I mean, the Eagles, they continue wow. to battle. Yeah, I know. I'm ready for it. The Eagles continue to battle injuries, okay? They lose this tough game to the Pats. They easily could have won that game, you know, had Nelson Aguilar been able to hold on to a football, which, by the way, is always one of the most confounding things to me, that these individuals, Aguilar is a superior athlete. His whole life has been dedicated to, you know, being a wide receiver. And the fact that he has all these drops always just strikes me as a, a little odd to watch professional football players like that. But regardless, they hang in this game. They easily could have won it, despite the fact that they had no Jordan Howard. They had no Alshon Jeffrey. So certainly not a terrible effort. And their defense is fine. Meanwhile, the Seahawks, they just they find a way to win every yeah. game. They're coming off a bye. Tyler Lockett's injury doesn't look serious. I don't think the Seahawks are a powerhouse team. I think the Eagles are just a little overrated. And I think betting against Russell Wilson is just not a profitable endeavor at this point. So you sound like you have a little bit of a different take. So how do you feel on Eagles laying two and a half at home with an over under now at 48? I think this line is fair. The My knee jerk is just that the number playing the number in and of itself you're getting some value in not laying the field goal with the Eagles here. But once you start looking at the X's and O's and who's lining up, I'm very afraid of this Eagles offense and their inability to move the ball. They predominantly want to sit in 12 with both Zach Ertz and Dallas Goedert on the field. But there's probably no worse team to want to play 12 against than the Seahawks because they're coverage abilities at linebacker with Wagner and KJ Wright are just off the charts. Plus they're coming off the bye. I think this is just at the end of the day, a very, very fair number. And unless it moves in either direction, I think it's a stay away for me. I am very intrigued though, at how much the public is just dumping on the Eagles. They're taking the Hawks at an 83% clip, 90%. Yep of the money. So, uh, and that's what, that's uh, what's dropping the spread here, right? I mean, the look ahead was three. It's actually two now at the consensus odds. I looked at it before we started recording and I had it at two and a half. So it is just dropping very quickly. And that's, I, I completely agree. I mean, I hate being so aligned with the public at this point, you know, but this is not something where, you know, 83% of the money is coming in on the Seahawks and, you know, 50% of the money is coming in, right? I mean, the, the bet, the amount of money coming in is aligned with the number of bets that are coming in. So I, I don't know, man, this strikes me as a mistake here. I, I, I think the Eagles are fine, but what, you know, the Seahawks, they do this every single game, you know, they, they just managed to hang in there long enough for Wilson to do his thing. And if they're getting points, not that it really matters if it was a pick them, if they're going to get one, if they're going to get two not that big a deal but for me i don't know man i i think they mess i think the eagles are being overvalued a little bit by the bookmakers yeah and i still have some gra- grave concerns about this this uh eagle secondary uh, i think yesterday or sunday sorry for those of you that listen that are listening to this uh later in the week i think that poor offensive performance was more indicative of the patriots inability to move the ball as opposed to the eagles really clamping down on d i do not love that secondary so yeah again think this is a fair line and yeah holding a ticket while number three is running around out there with like a chicken with his head cut off puts the fear of god in me yeah well i will almost certainly be taking the seahawks in the super contest so long as they remain 
getting points. So I'll just put that out there. And they may be one of my best bets on Thursday after I get a good look at the entire card. Now, before we move on, let's talk briefly about BetMGM. If you have ever seen that Seinfeld episode where Kramer wants to essentially live his entire life in his shower, I can kind of relate to that in a sense. My wife runs constantly. And to balance her out, I just do like zero physical activity whatsoever, which means (laughs) I basically live my entire life on my couch. But the best part is that you can live your entire life on your couch while also playing wagers on sporting events when you download the BetMGM Sports app. Seriously, the BetMGM Sports app lets you set up an account, deposit and withdraw money, and easily place a sports bet all right from the comfort of your home. And they've got this great offer for you at the moment. When you download the BetMGM Sports app, you can just search for it right in your app store on your phone. And you sign up for an account using our promo code Harris. That's my last name, Harris. Then your first bet of up to $500 is risk-free. If you lose that bet, BetMGM credits you the amount you lost up to $500 for future wagers. And there are a million benefits to having an account with BetMGM Sports, including the ability to track your bet in real time, the ability to do early cash outs, to lock in your winnings or cut your losses, and they offer these insane boosted bets that come along every so often. So download the BetMGM Sports app, sign up using our promo code Harris. You will not regret it, and you'll earn a risk-free $500 wager. These winnings are paid in free bets. You must be 21 years or older, and although you can sign up and easily deposit money anywhere, you must be in the state of New Jersey to place a sports bet, and certain restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for the full list of terms and conditions, and if you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's move on here to the Panthers at the Saints. Saints here are laying nine and a half, and it's moving up, and the over-under is at 47 at the moment. Panthers starting to get a little bit exposed here on both sides of the ball. Kyle Allen throws four picks against that suddenly incredible Falcons defense that we've been talking about. And their passing defense, which is usually strong, it's struggling a little bit, but they're pretty desperate at this point. They really need the win. Meanwhile, the Saints right the ship against the Bucks. Now they're coming home. They'll probably still be down Marshawn Lattimore here. It sounds like his injury is going to keep him out at least another week. But, you know, the offense continues to hum. The run defense is great, and you'll need it against McCaffrey. So how do you feel here? Saints at home laying 9.5 points and the over-under at 47. Feels like an auto bet on Carolina to me. It's two converging ideas. One, what team looked the best last week in professional football? What team looked the worst last week in professional football? They're coming together here. This look ahead was six and a half. We're moving at a full field goal because Kyle Allen had his first really horrific professional game. There's just too too much value in the number here, especially if Lattimore's out. He's a problem missing in that secondary. So way too many points. I think you just have to close your eyes, pinch your nose, and take the Carolina Panthers. Let me ask you something. Can you see it getting past 10? I kind of can. I kind of can, man. I'm telling you, I think the public is going to pound the Saints here. Um, I I know it hasn't come in yet, but I could see them really pounding it. I could see it getting higher. I think if you like the Panthers, you don't need to move right now. I don't really see it coming back down below the nine and a half. I mean, maybe nine. I guess I could see, you know, if everything breaks that way. But to me, I think nine and a half is kind of your floor here. And I could see it getting past the key number of 10. I know that's crazy. But I think that when this starts coming in, I think the public is going to be looking at the slate. They're not going to love what they see. The Saints are a public team. They're going to like them. And I think the hate's going to go far. So if you like the Panthers, I'm not sure you need to jump on it right now. I don't think you're going to lose any value going forward. Interesting. Ten's a lot. I I think the amount of liability they might receive if they move to 10 would be so heavy that they're 
more comfortable taking all this money at minus nine and a half or minus eight and a half, wherever it is on here, and just kind of needing the Panthers as opposed to pushing it to 10 and maybe balancing a little bit more. I, I think the books are okay having an opinion here and, and wanting Carolina plus the nine and a half. All right, well, let's go to the game that you're going to be at. Raiders go. at the Jets. Raiders laying three over under 45 and a half. This dropped significantly over here. Uh, initially, I, I, I really want to hear your thoughts on this because initially it felt like a little bit of a surprising line to me. I mean, the Raiders did not dominate the Bengals or anything, but we've seen enough of them to know that they're a pretty quality team sort of on both sides of the ball at this point. And when you look at, though, when I looked at it a little closer, you look at how the two teams match up. Considering that the Jets are at home and it's a West Coast team traveling east, never a, really a great thing for the Raiders in their history, kind of makes sense. I mean, it's not like the Raiders have these dominant wide receivers, the type that can give the Jets trouble because they have no nothing in their cornerbacks. They can stop the run, but they struggle to stop the pass. They don't get all that much pressure on the quarterback, which kind of is the only thing keeping Sam Darnold upright. So the Jets are coming off two straight wins here, as we talked about. So how do you feel here about the Raiders laying three with an over-under at 45 and a half? Feels a little disrespectful. I'm not going to lie. Uh, three look ahead. Why does this move up a half point? Uh, Raiders fail to cover against a really, really bad Bengals team. They had a chance there uh, deep in the red zone, but got a, uh, I, I believe, Richie, Richie Incognito jumped off sides there and they ended up uh, kicking a field goal in a spot where they could have scored a touchdown to uh, cover. Uh, no way that I was laying points there and I'm salty at all in of that penalty. None whatsoever. Uh, but yeah, it moves a half point in the Raiders' direction. The numbers here are telling me that the Sharps are coming in on the Jets right now. 53% of the tickets are on them, but 82% of the money. I, I, I got to lean Jets here, but I'm definitely afraid of this secondary. As porous as the Raiders' offensive weapons may be, I'm not worried about Hunter Renfro taking the top off. I am still concerned uh, with the cornerbacks on the field for the Jets and the linebackers as well because we're going to have to be dealing with uh, Darren Waller on some of these routes as well. But you did bring up a very important point, and that's the biggest weakness for the Jets is their offensive line. And if you can't generate a pass rush, then you can't take advantage of this large weakness, and Sam can just stand back there and throw some darts. He looked amazing against Washington because they were able to keep him upright. So I think three and a half is just a bit too heavy at three. I think the line is a little more fair, but we're getting a ton of value just in that hook right there. Yeah, I, well, right now, it's if you look at the various sports books, it's bouncing between three and three and a half. So for us, the consensus line actually is at three. So I think it's fine there, but I agree. There are some books that are laying three and a half. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I kind I kind of like the over. I will say, especially now that it's dropped to forty five and a half, um, because I think both these teams are going to be able to put up points. But again, you know, it, it's just it's it's a matchup where you know the offense really runs through Josh Jacobs at this point, and the one thing that the Jets can do is stop the run. And it's not like Jacobs is really much of a pass threat. He's catching more passes now, but he's not one of these backs that's going to sneak out and really dominate you through the air, like you know Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara or anything close to that. And the wide receivers Tyrell Williams is is fine but he's battling plantar fasciitis Hunter Renfro is okay Waller is definitely good but yeah it just doesn't seem like the best matchup for the type of offense that the Raiders have and I agree that this is the type of game 
where the Jets are going to be able to put up points. So for me, I kind of like the total here now that it's dropped a few points to 45 and a half. I don't have real strong feelings um, about the, the spread right now at three or three and a half. I certainly did not feel like it was disrespectful. I feel like, you know, <laughs> I, I think I maybe have a higher opinion of the Raiders um, than you do. But uh, for oh, me, I love the Raiders. Uh, I was telling people I was telling people take a taste on Raiders plus 400 to win the West oh, uh, last week. All right. I like it. Well, anyway, it should be an interesting. I'm sure the line's going to stay roughly at three or three and a half. But again, the total at 45 and a half. I'm kind of feeling like that is uh, a bet that I'll, I'll want to be making this week because I do feel like both teams are going to be able to put up points. Let's move on here to the Broncos at the Bills. Bills here laying four and a half and the over under at 37 and a half. I think I saw it yesterday and it was 35 and a half, which is insane. So the fact that it's at least just now a really low number instead of a crazy <laughs> low number makes me feel a little better. The Broncos here, they blow the 20 point halftime lead to the Vikings, but they continue to show that they're not this pushover. Even with Brandon Allen at quarterback, uh, a few things break differently for them. You know, even with Joe Flacco, they really could have been in the mix out there in the West. Uh, the defense remained strong after they didn't trade uh, really any of their big pieces. Meanwhile, the Bills continue to play well, but this is kind of going to be the first real test for Josh Allen, you know, other than when he played against the Patriots where he didn't have a great game. So I'm really going to be interested to see how he's able to do. Defense is solid. They're still a bit vulnerable against the run, which could make for a good day for Philip Lindsay. And again, the over-under now, when I first saw it, I was like 35 and a half. Goodness gracious. At 37 and a half, still really low. But how do you feel about the Bills length? Four and a half at home with the total at 37 and a half. Broncos, another team that started off very slow defensively, but have come on as of late. And it's very weird that it all happened after the Bradley Chubb injury. There were rumblings that Vic Fangio's defense is extremely complex, and it took a little bit for them uh, to understand some of the concepts. And they've really, really rounded into form and looked pretty great these last couple of weeks. And anytime Josh Allen goes up against a defense with a pulse, that definitely uh, put some fear into me. I liked this more at the opener at five and a half. Unsurprisingly, it's starting to come down. And if you look at these numbers, uh, man, the <laughs> it seems like the Sharps are really pounding uh, the Broncos here because 57% of the tickets are on the Bills, but 85% of the money is on the Broncos. So hopefully out there you were able to grab a five and a half ticket. As it comes down, I'm less intrigued about Denver. Uh, Brandon Allen on the road is just as scary as Josh Allen against the good defense. Uh, but yeah, I still think there might be a little bit of value on a really well-coached Broncos team. Yeah, you know, I actually agree with you there. I, I do think that, you know, even at four and a half, I think the value is still with the Broncos. My only concern, again, is... You know, as I mentioned a couple of times here, I went to school in Buffalo. That place is a really, really difficult place to play once it starts getting a little cold and a little windy like it is now. So it's something where I get a little worried about it. But I think the Broncos are just a much better football team than people give them credit for, even with Allen back there. I mean, look, he's still able to move the ball. Cortland Sutton is a, a real, real receiver out there. You know, he can really do some great things if you just let him do his thing and throw it up to him. And again, I think they're going to just pound, you know, the one vulnerability of this Bills defense is against the run. And I think you're just going to see a whole lot of Philip Lindsay 
and Royce Freeman put in there, and I think they're going to try to control the ball there. So, you know, if I had to go with the over-under, by the way, I still would, I think, probably go with the under at 37.5 because I could see both teams just trying to run the ball nonstop, which leads to the clock running and not that much scoring. But I I agree. For right now, I would have liked it better at 5.5. I still think that uh, there's value in the Broncos at 4.5. I'm not saying that I'm going to jump all over it, but if I'm looking for value, I think that's probably one of the spots. Sutton, they're really opening up the playbook for too. Two wide receiver reverses, an inside run. I mean, he's just a fantastic player. So he's he's one of those guys, and I know you do a lot of fantasy stuff as well, where he, he's getting into the territory where don't care who he's up against, don't care what the cornerback-receiver matchup is, Cortland Sutton is going to get his yeah, on he, Sunday. He makes uh, some acrobatic catches. And, you know, look, as long as you have the trust to throw it up to him and see what he can do, then you're liable to come – down with good things and they've been doing that lately even with Allen in there so I do think this is something where you know probably value on the Broncos again don't love it especially not at four and a half but it's something where I'm certainly more than willing to roll with them if in the end like for the super contest where we're desperate to find value somewhere that might be one where I might uh, dabble in for the Lions at the Redskins Lions here are laying three and a half and the over under at 42 and a half I think it's fair to assume that it's probably still Jeff Driscoll here for the Lions Um, but he is able to move the ball pretty well against the Cowboys to be fair Uh, meanwhile perhaps the team has found their first running back since Kerryon Johnson went out with Bo Scarborough of all people. He revenge carries a game last I, week. It was a revenge game, absolutely, for the team that drafted him. He ran pretty well. I mean, he's not going to do anything in the passing game. You're still going to see J.D. McKissick. You'll see a little bit of Ty Johnson, but really, he at least gave them this presence on the ground that they haven't really had in a while, so it certainly helped the offense. The problem is the defense. They remain significantly subpar on defense that probably isn't going to matter against a Dwayne Haskins-led Redskins team. They put up a a few points, I think 17 yesterday against the Jets, but almost all of that was in garbage time. Haskins is just really not ready to be an NFL QB, especially when you're coming out after a bye. You kind of said, okay, he might be able to show us something, and he really just doesn't, although he probably looked a little better than I expected. Uh, They get Darius Geis involved a little bit here. Terry McLaurin still is around, and he's, he's a solid wide receiver. So how do you feel here? about the lines laying three and a half with the over under at 42 and a half. And I assume you like me think it's going to be Driscoll and not Matthew Stafford under center. Yeah, definitely going to be Driscoll Stafford. Just, just uh, we get it. You're a, you're a, an absolute warrior, but I don't think playing with a broken hip or broken back, whatever it is, is worth it at this part of the season. Lions are three, five and one. It's been a long year for the Stafford family. Just, just go, <laughs> just go take a rest. My guy. Uh, Unless you're driving, put a hand in the air if you had Bo Scarborough in your dynasty team when the uh, Cowboys drafted him. Because I did, hoping that he would somehow crack uh, some some attempts behind that offensive line with a Zeke injury, but unfortunately not. Man, it is the year 2019 of our Lord and Jeff Driscoll's road favorite in professional football. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I can get down with that. 96% of the tickets are on the Lions. 99% of the money is on Detroit. No thank you. Next. Okay. I, I think that that's fair, Matt. It, it's really not a game that I particularly love. I certainly will never be backing the Redskins um, with Dwayne Haskins uh, back there. But certainly something where I'm not overly excited about the Lions, despite the love that they are getting from the public. I think that's also fair to say. Driscoll was kind of impressive this past week, but I agree. It, it's very strange to look at a Jeff Driscoll-led team and see them favored by three and a half points. So... 
Let's move on here. But before we finish up with our last few games, I do want to remind everyone about our giveaway. It's a signed Odell Beckham Jr. Cleveland Browns helmet. Our contest is running through November 30th, so you still have a little bit of time to enter. Now you can go to bettingpros.com slash contest for more details. But to enter, all you need to do is leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com. Now, an entry into this contest gets you automatically entered into all future contests. So if you have entered into one of our past contests, you're automatically entered into this one. Now, the Beckham helmet and all of our signed helmets, they all come from Pristine Auction, where they offer a ton of great memorabilia with thousands of auctions every single day. And when you go there, which is at pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com, use our promo code bettingpros and you can win a free $5 voucher instantly. All right, let's move on here to the Steelers at the Bengals. Steelers here are laying seven with an over-under at 39.5. This is just a very tough one to analyze because we don't really know who's going to be out there for the Steelers on offense. I think we can assume that James Conner is probably going to be out after he aggravated his shoulder injury. That's going to leave Jalen Samuels and Trey Edmonds in the backfield. Meanwhile, Juju Smith-Schuster not only leaves with the concussion, but he's also apparently battling a knee injury, making it... A little more unlikely. They signed a few wide receivers off the street um, today. So I'd have to bet that Smith-Schuster doesn't play. Deontay Johnson, I mean, given how scary that concussion looked, you probably have to assume he's not going to play. So it's really just about their defense, which does remain strong, which is a problem so long as Ryan Finley remains the quarterback for the Bengals because he's really not getting it done. I mean, they did hang in there against the Raiders, but there's just no firepower for that team on either side of the ball. So Tough to analyze given the injuries, but how do you feel right now about the Steelers laying seven and the over-under at 39.5? Yeah, if we know there's no Pouncey, and if there's a possibility that there's no Connor and no Juju, I think we have to take the points with the Bengals as disgusting as it feels. This Steelers offense is already putrid with Juju, who is an elite receiver, and Connor, who's an above-average runner, and... Pouncey being one of the best centers in the game. You take all three of those away. You've got Mason Rudolph throwing to a bunch of randoms, his his college uh, teammate, James Washington, being one of them. The, the Deontay Johnson was bleeding out of his ears. Like, right. what is the Steelers' offense going to look like? And I despise the Bengals, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. But I just, I don't know how this doesn't move off of the seven look ahead with all these these injuries here uh, uh i i the the total is suspiciously low as well um but given how poor both of these offenses are i think that's kind of a stay away as well but if these injuries trend in that direction if the Steelers are going to be without some of those key players i think we have to take the points with the Bengals as icky as it feels yeah i mean really i and when you look at it i mean still at this point the majority of the money is on the Steelers, but uh, the majority of the bets actually is on the Steelers, but the majority of the money is on the Bengals because I think, you know, most sharp bettors are probably realizing it's just not going to be many people out there. You know, this could be another game where Jalen Samuels catches 13 passes, you know, because uh, uh, I don't really know how else they're going to be able to move the ball. They are signing guys off the streets. So I agree. I have, I have lost. I have lost with the Bengals this year trying to sort of, you know, bank on the value. But at this point, if it stays at seven, I I agree. Yeah, I think you got to take that touchdown because again, I don't see any way Connor plays. I, it seems highly unlikely that Smith Schuster plays, and probably not Deontay Johnson. And again, no penalty. 
it's just really hard to see them putting up points uh, at all at this point. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think I'd take the value with the Bengals and hold my nose and probably do it. Let's move on here to the Jaguars at the Titans. Titans here laying three at home, the over-under at 41. Uh, to me, this is the exact correct spread and the exact correct total. The Titans are coming off a bye. They continue to look a little better offensively with Ryan Tannehill. The Jaguars get beat up a bit by the Colts and Nick Foles return, but they're certainly capable of winning this type of game as they did earlier this year. So how do you feel about the Titans laying three at home with an over-under of 41? I think there's some value in the Titans here. I think this line should be three and a half. I think should be they should be getting the hook. And by looking at the betting pros portal right here, that minus three is at minus 120 juice, which is telling me that the money is coming in on Tennessee. It's kind of weird. I think Nick Foles is a better quarterback than Gardner Minshew, but given the structure of this Jags offense, their inability to pass block and their need for kind of playmaking at the quarterback position, I think Minshew's a better fit for the team as ass backwards as that may sound a lot of the the struggles last week for the Jags was just Nick Foles's inability to make a play and that's that's okay when you're on the Eagles right when you have an offensive structure around you where your guys are going to win your offensive line is going to win and when your guys get the ball they're going to make winning plays but the Jags are kind of a team that needed that boost from Minshew they needed his his mobility and his ability to get out of the pocket and kind of create throwing lanes. And I, I just don't think they're going to get that out of Foles. Plus, you've got the Titans coming off the bye. Uh, Ryan Tannehill just doesn't really make that many mistakes at quarterback. We might be getting A.J. Brown back healthy. Yeah, I, just, I think the Titans should be getting the hook here. I think there's some value in the minus three. Well, it, from what I'm looking at, 95% of the money is coming in on the Titans right now. So certainly betters uh, look to agree with you. And look, Tannehill has completely changed that offense, I think. I mean, you know... You, you figured it, maybe it wouldn't be that much of an upgrade over Mariota, but it really is. I mean, they, they're moving the ball through the air well. You always have Derrick Henry pounding the rock. The defense remains strong. Yeah, I mean, I get it. And off the bye, I, I do get it. But, you know, I think the Jaguars are just one of these teams that I can't really get a read on. I feel like every time I expect them to come out a little flat, they come out looking better than I expect. Every time I think that they're going to put up a big game, I feel like they come out flat. So for me, you know, at three, I feel like this is where it's supposed to be. You kind of feel like essentially at three, you're getting, you're certainly getting value on the Titans. So that's one that, uh, you know, I, I could see it. Certainly the the vast majority of bettors are in agreement with you. But for me, this line feels uh, about right. But it sounds like given the amount of money that's coming in, if you do like the Titans, you should probably get in on it while it's at three. Because yeah, that hook. That hook's coming. <laughs> it's coming. It's certainly coming. Let's move on to a game that's might be the most bet game in the history of professional football, the Cowboys at the Patriots. Patriots here are laying six and a half. With the over-under of 46, I, it's going to be really interesting to see how these uh, bets break down, considering, again, you've got two of the most public teams in the game. The Patriots, we talked about that game a little bit earlier against the Eels. They win, but they really don't look that impressive. Again, the weather wasn't great. Let's at least you know acknowledge that. Um, but the Pats haven't really looked that good offensively in a while. They've kind of been relying on their defense, which is great, 
but it's not quite as dominant as maybe it looked early in the season when they had that cupcake schedule. The Cowboys' defense hasn't been tremendous either, but the offense is doing enough against the Lions. They're not running the ball that effectively these days, which is a little weird. Zeke has scored the touchdowns, but really not gaining that many yards over the last couple of games. But they obviously have a lot of weapons, even with Amari Cooper battling the knee injury. They're getting Randall Cobb involved more. Michael Gallup is an emerging star. So this should be a good one. How do you feel about the Patriots at home link six and a half with the total at 46? I think under 46 is my favorite bet of the week so far. You look at what the Patriots do on defense and they funnel you to run the ball. One, because they're awesome in coverage. And two, because a lot of the looks they give you in the front invite you to run the ball. And teams have had success with that. The Ravens obviously crushed them. And the Eagles had some success on the ground yesterday, or on Sunday, but they needed to throw the ball, and when they did, they were unable to. And Bill's kind of allowing teams to run, knowing that eventually they'll need to throw the ball. And Dallas, as an offense, they kind of want to run the ball. They've been better when they let Dak get back there and throw the rock. He's been incredible these last two weeks when Kellen Moore gets to design these passing plays to let him spread the ball around to these great receivers, but... At their core, they still want to run the ball. And on the other side, the Patriots' passing attack has not been good whatsoever, and I'm really worried about the Patriots' offensive line trying to pass block against Robert Quinn, Demarcus Lawrence, and Malik Collins. So I think under 46 is far and away my favorite bet of the week so far. And in terms of the game itself, I mean... I hate lining up to fade the pass, but I think there's some value in taking uh, the points as well. Yeah, I agree with you on both. I, again, this is a game where I see the value in the Cowboys. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull the trigger on it because I rarely am against the Patriots. But yeah, I agree. I think the Patriots right now are getting a little bit exposed. I mean, they're still a great team. They'll still probably be in the Super Bowl. They'll still probably win the Super Bowl, as you and I, as Jets fans, know. But in the end, for right now, Look, you saw Brady at the end of that game. He took a beating a little bit, but he's he's going to be taking a beating a little bit more behind that offensive line. They just don't have the wide receiver depth. I know Muhammad Sanu is on board. You know, uh, they still have Julian Edelman, of course, Philip Dorsett, but they just do not have the firepower on offense and they can't run the ball. So it, it's really affecting the way they're able to move. And I agree, you know, the way you attack the Patriots, if you can, is on the ground. I think you're going to see a lot of Zeke here. So I could see it being a low scoring, not, crazy low scoring but a low scoring kind of drag it out game that's going to be tight so I agree if I'm forced to go anywhere I would go under the 46 and the Cowboys getting the points again that's scary at this point even you know when you're getting under a touchdown here but I do think that there is value there as you said let's move on here to the Packers at the 49ers Uh, the 49ers here are now laying three and the over under is at 46 another really good game here Packers are coming off a bye and their bounce back win against the Panthers they're getting a little bit healthier here Devontae Adams certainly looked closer to full strength in their last game meanwhile the 49ers wind up winning and covering depending on when you got that spread against the Cardinals (laughs) I mean I feel horrible for uh betters who who didn't get it uh until late uh when the line had moved pretty significantly from I I think it opened at 11 and a half and it dropped to nine and a half by the end. Uh, overall, though, not the greatest effort from the 49ers, especially defensively. Um, offensively, Jimmy G throws the four touchdown passes. Of course, they're still not having great success the last few weeks running the ball, and that's really where you attack the Packers better. So how do you feel here? A big one, 49ers laying three at home to the Packers with an over-under at 46. 
Yeah, the injury report's going to be massively important here. Uh, I think we're still going to be missing Joe Staley. He had minor, there's no such thing as minor surgery. He had finger surgery following that Seahawks game missed last week. I don't know what the timetable is for his return. And then, of course, Emmanuel Sanders played hurt against uh, the Cardinals last week. George Kittle missed the game. Uh, Kittle's really important to this offense. He unlocks a lot of things at the second level and really helps the run game as well because his threatened play action, whether it be down the seam or on those crossers, really adds a dimension to the Shanahan offense that is important uh, for Jimmy G to to operate. Uh, I've never been the biggest Jimmy G fan, so I've not been surprised by his, I think, dozen turnovers so far this year. This line is very interesting. This line is very respectful to the Packers, I think. They are coming off of bye, uh, and they have looked great as of late. Last seen beating the Carolina Panthers pretty badly at home. And I'm also interested to see how much the public is lining up to take the Packers. 60% of the tickets, the money is a little bit more balanced at 52% for Green Bay. I, I think there's a little bit of value on... The Packers coming off the bye, but I don't know. There are just very fine margins that are separating these two teams right now. And given the injury speculation, uh, at this time, I'm in wait-and-see mode with this contest. Yeah, I don't really think I want any part of this, whatever happens. You know, I could see if Sanders and Kittle and Staley are all out, then I see the value in the Packers at that point. But if any or especially all of them are healthy, I just don't have a great feel for it. Again, you know, the 49ers... I was kind of slow to come around on them. Then I bought all in and I've watched them closely the last few games. Again, you take Kittle out of that game and you know, it's just, it's not the same offense when you have it. Sanders, you know, the fact that he was questionable coming in because he left the game before and he leaves this last game against the Cardinals also with the injury. It's a little tough to rely on him going forward. I mean, could it look Debo Samuel certainly stepped up. You know, they have a couple of guys that they can throw in there, but it's not a game where I would feel really confident in their ability to move the ball through the air, especially the Packers. Although their pass defense isn't quite as good as it showed early on the season, it's still their strength. And I don't really have that much faith in the 49ers to be able to run the ball. So it's just, it's, it's Sunday night. I just, I, I don't really have a great feel for it at this point. Um, unless again, the 49ers are completely down all those skill players. If so, then I'll lean the Packers, but at home, on Sunday night, it's going to be a little difficult for me to, to go against them. So it's probably going to be a game that I'm going to stay away from because it's just it's, it's not a line that I feel all that comfortable with. Let's move on here to our final game, the Monday night football game, Ravens at the Rams. Still showing the Ravens laying three and a half and the over-under at 46.5, which has come down a bit from 49 when I saw. The Ravens, they look absolutely unstoppable. Lamar Jackson is playing at an incredibly high level and the defense is healthy and gelling it's just hard to see them being beat especially by a Rams team that has one of the worst offensive lines in the game they lack any offensive firepower at this point maybe Brandon Cooks comes back Robert Woods apparently missed this last game against the Bears with the personal issues so you assume he's going to play Todd Gurley ran pretty well but I don't know about you man I'm looking at this game at Ravens you know Three and a half, I I love the Ravens at that number, and I'd be surprised if it doesn't grow. You know what the preseason line was on this game? How about Rams minus seven and a half? Oh, my God. Oh, how the times (laughs) have changed. Yeah, I mean, even the one-week look ahead was Ravens plus one. You knew that was going to shift with how 
the Ravens dominated the Texans last week. And the Rams, while they did win, while they did cover, it was in very ugly fashion for the entire world to watch on an island game on Sunday night football. Unsurprisingly, 80% of the bets are on Baltimore, but the money's there as well at 70%. So, yeah, I think this line is fair. The the the, the fake sharp in me thinks that, what are you doing, you idiot? You have to take the Rams here. Like, how can they be getting this many points at home? The Ravens have never been more overvalued than they are right now, but the Ravens have also earned <laughs> this inflation because not only are they doing incredible things on the offensive side of the ball with Lamar, and his uh, MVP candidacy. But since getting Marcus Peters and since uh, having Marlon Humphrey uh, and uh, the other cornerback, which I'm blanking on right now, coming back, Jimmy Smith coming back to full health, this defense has been awesome. They had a couple sacks yesterday that were 100% coverage sacks because they're missing Zedaria Smith in that front from a pure pass rushing perspective. But guys were blanketed yesterday. And if we're not... With Woods, and if we don't have Brandon Cooks, the Rams are going to have a tough time moving the ball against this defense. So ultimately, I think this is a fair line, and I'm not going to hate you for laying three and a half with the Ravens. Yeah, I don't care that I'm going to be totally aligned with the public on this one because because I think that you are. Look, I've watched, you know, on Football Sunday, I have, you know, four TVs going. One of them has Red Zone, and then I pick a couple of games that I watch necessarily. I'm trying to watch the Rams closely just because I want to understand what is happening right now. You just, their defense is legitimate. Okay. So their defense is, is going to be fine. But with, you know, the way the Ravens are playing, you know, I, I'd like to see them play the Patriots again. Cause I'd like to see what it is. If you have a look at exactly what their offense looks like when you play them in a regular season game and whether or not you can make any sort of adjustments to try to slow down Jackson. But the first time you see them this season with the way Jackson is playing as good as the Rams defense is playing, you know, especially since they added Jalen Ramsey, I just don't think it's going to matter all that much. And more importantly, I just don't understand how the Rams are going to be able to do anything offensively. They just can't golf is really showing who he is, he is never going to have enough time to throw in that pocket because even if you don't love the Ravens pass rush, which is certainly solid enough, that offensive line is abysmal. I mean, they're playing with like four backups at this point. It's just not going to be going well for them. So again, they can stop the run. You know, once Brandon Williams came back, they've been able to do that. You mentioned the cornerbacks. The defense as a whole is gelling. This is as much about the Rams and kind of my lack of respect for them as it is about my immense respect for the Ravens. So I'll be aligned with the with the public on this one. I'm okay with it. And again, as you talked about, even when it, when it opened, I think it was a pick em, um, as you mentioned, and it's just swung wildly to the Ravens. So for me, I don't know. I think the public's going to continue to pound this, and I, I would get in on the Ravens now because I don't see it coming back. Sometimes you got to put your SpongeBob SquarePants on. I, I don't <laughs> mind doing it every now and then with a game like this, and I, I certainly will be doing it here. Well, that's going to do it for today's show. Rich, it was great having you back on. Remind everybody where they can find more of you and your work. Yeah, check out our podcast, Gridiron Gamble. You can get it on any podcatcher. We're also on Twitter, at Gridiron Gamble. Check us out. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming back on. Hopefully we can do it one more time before the end of the season. My pleasure, J-E-T-S. Enjoy the game. 
Thanks again to the sponsor of today's show, BetMGM. Remember to download the BetMGM Sports app and use our promo code HARRIS to get your risk-free first wager of up to $500. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast and send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com for your chance to win a signed Odell Beckham Jr. Brown Summit. We'll be back later this week giving some of our best bets for Week 12. I'll talk to you then.